You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. As we continue in a very short series, uh, this series was sort of birthed in, in my heart after a conversation uh, with our worship pastor, Brother Jordan, just kind of talking about uh, ideas and, and thoughts about worship in the corporate setting, in this in, in this in this room, in this place we call our church uh, congregation. And we gather here weekly and we worship from start to finish. It's, it's a wonderful experience for me. I long for it. I look forward to it. And we want to continue to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as he provides new insights and, and, and ideas to make this a more worshipful church. As we prepare for that day when we'll be in heaven worshiping before the throne of God. It's an amazing thing. If you need a worship guide, would you raise your hand? And these men will get you one. So just keep it up and they'll be right, right with you. They're great. Keep your hands up and we'll take care of you quickly. So we're going to talk about choosing to be a worshiper because it is a decision. And we want to ask you to make that choice. And we, uh, I've always believed in preparing our people for, for change. Meaning small change, little things. Nothing overwhelming, but just things that we're adding to our worship services, uh, things you, you, you take away, you add, and you constantly are looking for ways where this very special hour, hour and a half can be to the glory of God, our, our awesome Savior. So look on the screen with me and participate in this reading. I want you to read these verses aloud. Don't just follow my lead, but Involve yourself. Participate. Don't just spectate. Here we go. Are you ready? Verse 1. Say it with me. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And let us exalt his name together. Now, we sound like we're at a funeral. We just said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Now, that together has an exclamation mark next to it. You don't have to do it like that, but I will just for sake of example. Can we get into that a little bit more uh, since we're attending a resurrection this morning? All right, let's do that. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Now, we need to know what kind of scripture that we just read today. Uh, Many of you already know it's from the book of Psalms, obviously. It's poetry, and the book of Psalms is an amazing book in the Bible. The book of Psalms is a collection of 150 songs. Most of them are songs of David, but not all of them. But they all are used for worship in the temple. It's good for you to understand that. It it makes the, the reading of the book of Psalms so much more powerful when we understand the context in which they were written. Now, understanding Psalm 34, a little background to the text... First of all, there's 22 verses in Psalm uh, 34. Also, there are three divisions or three sections, if you will, to the song. Three verses, maybe. Uh, Verses 1 through 7 is what we're going to be talking about this morning. That would be kind of the first section. And then verses 8 through 16. And then 17 through 22. So just a little bit of an understanding of how that psalm was laid out. The general subject of Psalm 34 is this. It's an unapologetic call or invitation to the lavish benefits of life that are found in God. Now, now take that in for just a moment. Really take it in. It's an unapologetic call. It's an invitation to the lavish benefits of life that are found in God. Now, there's a statement that's probably in your Bible. If you, whatever uh, translation you have with you, there's a There's a a statement that's made prior to reading Psalm chapter 34. I'm going to tell you what mine says. You might look at yours. It says, A Psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before 
Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. So that, that's kind of what was taking place in David's life when he wrote that song. Now that particular story took place in 1 Samuel in chapter 21. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, Saul was the king of Israel. And David was a mighty warrior. Saul was successful, yes. But David, much more successful. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 11, we have a reminder. It wasn't the first time this song was sung, but it was another. It was an additional time it was sung. It was such a, a, a popular song in those days that Saul had slain his thousands. He was successful. <laughs> but compared to David, not very much so, because David has slain its ten thousands. As a result of this, you know that Saul got very jealous, right? We've told it before. We've talked about it. It's a very famous story in Scripture. Saul got jealous. Saul got angry. Saul sought to kill David. It drove him out of his hometown, Jerusalem. And he went to a city called Gath. Gath was a Philistine city. And uh, David went to this place for protection, but found out it was probably more dangerous in Gath than it was running for his life from Saul in Jerusalem. So we come to this story and it's interesting. I'll just read you a little bit of what was happening here because David, it says here in verse 12, took these words to heart. The words of David had slain his thousands and or rather Saul his thousands and David his tens of thousands. He took those words to heart and was much afraid of HS, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior and he pretended to be insane. Now, growing up, my dad taught me something in New Orleans, Louisiana. My dad taught me this. We, he, he worked in a very dangerous part of the city. And he said, son, uh, if you ever get in trouble and you're alone and you're scared, just lose control of your emotions. Just go crazy, go insane, and you stand a better chance of surviving. So when I was in Chicago as a 19-year-old boy and 10 Spanish dudes in a gang surrounded me and began to beat me up and, and threaten me and kick me and I fell to the ground... I lost control of my emotions and acted like I knew karate. And I started kicking and drooling and spitting in my veins. And honestly, it worked. They all thought I was a crazy, insane man, and they took off. So I can say, along with David, this is a principle in Scripture. My dad was right. He changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gates. He was clawing the doors of the gates and he let spittle run down from his beard. Then Achish said to, to his servants, behold, see, this man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? I ain't let him in my house. Dude's crazy. Well, David escaped. David got out of that situation. He ran to a cave and he wrote this song. Isn't it it mean so much more to you now when you understand the duress, the trouble that David was under as he penned the words that you and I just read a moment ago? And so this is a concept in God's word. The concept is this, that he's speaking here in this one chapter of 22 different times when you'll notice The word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Just giving you some background. Some people don't enjoy this part of a message. I love it because I, it gives me a better grip on what I'm teaching to you. And I hope that you enjoy this too. The word Lord, what does that mean? That word in this text is the same word, is the Hebrew name for God that we call Yahweh. You see, in the Old Testament, there are three main names for God. The first one was Elohim, and it was used 2,602 times in the Old Testament referring to God. It was kind of a generic name for God. And then the word Elohim was a name mentioned 366 times in the Hebrew language in the Old Testament, and it means master. But then there was Yahweh, the Lord. A name for God used in the Old Testament 6,828 times. It was the primary term to refer to God in the Old Testament. And all of us need to be able to say that name with confidence and with assurance of what it means. It is God's personal name. We should feel very comfortable coming to church and speaking and worshiping and referring to God in the term 
Yahweh. It's used 16 times in Psalm 34. God is the theme of this psalm, and I would like to speak to you about the theme of this psalm and how it ties into worship. Let me give you five principles this morning. We learn in Psalm 34 as we learn the text, as we understand the text. Now let's dive into the text. Number one, we must choose to be a worshiper. It's a choice. We must make that choice. Now, that's honestly what we're doing in the, for the past couple of Sundays is we are, we are entering into a, a study of worship. And, and ultimately, there's a decision we're going to make. Are, are we going to, and I'm going to say it in this, in this term, are we going to, are we going to buy in? Are we going to say, you know what, this, this is something scripture speaks a lot about. And, and this is something that, 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 that there's a practice here. There's something that God is trying to teach us about how we can worship him. So the very first thing we find here in understanding worship is some words that are used for worship. There are six different words in the first three verses of this chapter that, that are different ways that we can worship God. The first one is this word, bless. I will bless the Lord at all times. Bless. What an incredible concept. Bless the Lord. I I don't relate to that as well as I do. God blesses me. I get that. I mean, we just celebrated Thanksgiving and we all are thanking God for his blessings. In fact, we have a tradition around our house before we eat our Thanksgiving meal, we all gather in a circle and everybody go, we go around and everybody says something they're thankful for. Now, you know, man, if you really get the spirit, you could, you could say 50 things you're thankful for, but we only allow one because we're starving. So you could say one, right? And it takes a while to do that, to be honest, as many people as we have over the house. So we go around the circle and you hear things like family and friends and church and the Bible and all kinds of promises of God. It's, it's really sweet. We go around this circle, we all say, God, thank you for your blessings on me. And that's good. We should do that. But this isn't speaking about that. This is speaking about how we can bless him. 35 different times in scripture, we get this concept. I will bless the Lord. You see, when we worship him, we bless God. How many want to be on that team? I mean, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I, I'm, I'm telling you, church, I know you're blessed by God, but how would you like to be involved in something that actually blesses him? I mean, I'm blown away. I, I, I can actually bless God. I, I want to know how to do that. I want to be a part of that. Number two, the next word is the word praise. I will bless the Lord at all times. Verse one, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. In understanding worship, we must understand praise. Praise is more than a little compliment. We give those all the time. I've given several of those this morning. You know, you you talk about someone looking nice. Boy, you look nice today. Boy, I I really appreciate the way that, uh, you know, you say a kind word to someone. Thank you for saving my seat or, you know, thank you for, for singing a song or whatever. We thank people. We give these little compliments, which are fine and dandy, but it refers to something Beyond externals. Praise refers to actions. It's the very nature of a person. When we praise God, what we're doing is we're praising God for what he has done for us. Praise. Bless. Notice verse 2. It says, boast. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Now, growing up. My parents always told me, hey, quit bragging. Quit boasting. Don't brag on yourself. Don't always talk about yourself. Don't say how great you are. You see, it's wrong to boast about yourself. Don't be a boaster. But just as wrong as it is to boast about yourself, it is right. It is that much right to boast about the Lord. I love scripture on this. I love it. First Corinthians one twenty one says, so that... As it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I love this one too. This is found in Psalm 20 verse 7. Some boast in chariots. Some boast in athletes. Some boast in horses. Some boast in their talent. Some boast in food. Some boast in whatever. A lot of people brag about a lot of different things. But we will boast in the name of the Lord, Yahweh, 
our God. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, probably the all-time best verse for this thought of boasting in God. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. There's nothing worse than even a preacher getting up here and talking about, you know, me and my, and I've got this and my credentials. And look, let not that man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boast, if you're going to brag, brag about this. That he understands and knows me, God says. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. You see, the next time somebody else is boasting about what they've done. You know, and and I hear boasting about a lot of things. Sometimes in the secular world, you hear people boasting about awful things. That, you know, what girl they got this week. Or how they got drunk and this happened and... And people boast about a lot of things. Well, God says this, let them boast about that, but let him who, who, who loves me and worships me, let him boast in me. God's people need to brag on God all week long. When we hear someone bragging about their deal, let's say, you know what? Man, church was great study. We had a, it's incredible what God's doing for us right now. We fed 1,500 people by the grace of God. He used us to do that. And God is so powerful and so good and so amazing and and just boast in the name of the Lord our God. Because we're called upon to boast in the Lord. Why? He's great. He is great. And then the word rejoice. Now, my, my version here says glad, but yours may say rejoice. I personally like the word rejoice here. And I looked it up in several different translations. Let the humble hear and be glad. Or this morning, let's use the word rejoice. What is rejoicing? It is in simple It is simply, rather, an expression of joy. Rejoice. It's a continual thing. It's an expression of joy. Now, let's go deeper. You may not have known this, but I'm going to tell you something about you that that, that is true. Everybody sitting in this auditorium this morning has within you a fountain. A fountain, yeah. It's a, a rejoicing fountain. It's amazing. It's inside of all of us. I mean, it is, it is a fountain that rejoices and, and it wants to come out. The problem is it's plugged up. It's plugged up with worry. It's plugged up with fear. It's plugged up with anxiety. And sadly, it's plugged up with sin. And those things plug up our joy and our rejoicing. But when I... Get right with the Lord. Bubbling up inside of me is this joy that I cannot contain. And it bursts forth with joy in my heart. And and that's what's so beautiful about this, this, this particular word when it comes to worship. Is God wants all of us to rejoice in him. To express joy. And if we don't, then something is plugging that up because it's in you. Some people like to blame it on someone's personality. Well, he's just hyper or that's just the way he is or he's just got, he just gets excited. Bless his heart. No, 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 no. It just means his, his rejoicer is not plugged up. That's really what you should be saying. Boy, that old boy right there, he left his fears outside. He left his worries at the door. He left his anxiety at home. He is rejoicing. He's excited. There's a fountain in me. You ever heard that old song? I've got joy like a fountain. I've got joy like a fountain. It's silly, but it's true. It's true. Everybody in here has a fountain. But is joy coming out? Is it bubbling up inside of you? The word magnify. Number five. Notice it says here in verse number three. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. What does that word mean, magnify? We, we hear that in, in some of the worship songs we sing. The word magnify means greatly important. It means to expand. It means to enlarge, like a magnifying glass. And God says, I want you to magnify the Lord. David says, I want you to magnify the Lord with me. Let's enlarge his name. Let's, let's, let's make it greatly important. More important than the praise of men is to magnify God. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, the Lord magnified Saul. 
It actually says that. It magnified Saul in the sight of the people and made him king over Israel. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, the word is used for the growth of David's reputation. God magnified David. But in Acts 19, the name of Jesus was magnified as a result of all the healing that he was doing amongst the people. And in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, Scripture says, According to my earnest expectation, Paul said, and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ, this is powerful, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Christ is going to be magnified in the good times and in the bad times in me, Paul says. Christ is going to be magnified when when things are going well and when things are going not so well in life and in death to enlarge the name of God in this city. He must be magnified. And then the word exalt. You see that? And let us exalt his name together. The word exalt means to to take something that is small and to make it large. To take something that is low or of little importance and make it high. Elevate it. Celebrate it. Celebrate its new status. It was in the closet. It was on the shelf. It was collecting dust. This week, I had some Thanksgiving goals. Oh, yeah. I mean, I set a goal every day. And I want to gladly report to you that I've accomplished my goals this week. Can I tell you what they were? Wednesday, my goal was, on the break, was to help Miss Vicky in the kitchen because she got out of here last year at 5 o'clock, and I was determined, by the grace of God, that she was going to go home earlier. So I got my chicken turkey fingers on, and I break, broke turkey up with uh, Rosemary Dauber and, and Sarah and Vicky. It was the three ladies and the, and the preacher. Amen? And we, we tore up that turkey. They were better than me, but I did my best. And we worked several hours together, and it was a great day. Went home. Wednesday for us is a tradition. We put up the tree and decorate the house. And I'm the great decorator, me and Chloe. Nobody else cares. But me and Chloe, we get into it. I mean, it's like a big deal for us. I mean, you know, getting it all out and putting stuff up. It probably looks corny because I did it all. (laughs) But it's fun. I love it. Thursday was the Thanksgiving Day feast. I was determined to get here earlier than I ever had before. And I got here about 6.15, 6.30. Met with the Daubers. They're amazing on this day. We started working and people started arriving and honestly we we had a goal to get out of there by i did personally by 12 30 we ended up getting out by about one o'clock it was amazing then i went home and had thanksgiving with my family it's a great day friday i wanted to clean my office my garage and my closet they were all disgusting terrible Oh, yeah, haven't touched my closet in years. My garage was a mess. My office was terrible, just stuff piled up everywhere. So I wake up, Gloria Ann wakes up, and me and Glow go to work. She's just following me, laughing, smiling, you know, Glow. She's not doing much, but she's a cheerleader, you know. So, I, man, I, I, I attacked the garage first. Yeah, got it done. It looks fantastic. I mean, three barrels of trash out of the garage. You say, preacher, that's disgusting. I know, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's uh, I had to focus on this thing, you know. Looks great now. Then I went to my closet next. No, office next? Okay, office, you're right, second. And got the office all clean. Then I went to the closet. So right now, I am such a happy man. I actually displayed it to Chloe. She was like, Daddy, this is awesome. You got the job done. What happened was, is while I was cleaning these things, I found some things that were very special to me. Only to be shocked, they were in boxes and collecting dust and dirt. A couple of the pictures of my children that I cherish and love and had framed, you couldn't even see through the muck and the mire and the dirt. So I cleaned them up and put them back in their rightful place on the shelves in my office. And then I found this awesome frame of my wife and I on our wedding day. It's a beautiful picture. It's got her long flowing dress and me standing next to her like Prince Charming. And, 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 and we stood there together and we got this beautiful picture. And I put that, did you notice on the fireplace mantle? Have you seen it yet? Oh, honey, it's back in its rightful place. Have you guys seen it yet? Have you noticed it? Have you? You haven't yet? Oh, Joe. Zoe has noticed it. See, these guys don't care as much as old dad does. My man Zoe saw it. It's back. 
that picture of my wife and I 30 years ago meant so much to me. That was just in a box at the bottom of the box, collecting dust and scratches, is now back, exalted, if you will. You know, I think that's a concept here that God's trying to teach us about himself. Would you get me out of the closet? Would you wipe the dust off your worship? Would you recognize once again that I am not something that should be small in your life, but large? That nothing should be worshipped above me? So, so this is the concept of exaltation. We should exalt his name together. So we've got six words here. Let's say them together, shall we? Word number one, say it. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Beautiful. Six different ways in three verses in one chapter that David says, look, I want to do all these things. I love God rescued me. God saved me. In the context of which he is writing this, he says all of these things God is worthy of. He's to be blessed. He's to be praised. He's to be bragged on. He's to be rejoiced over. He's to be magnified. He is to be exalted and so much more. And to segue into this final piece of the message, I want to say this. Notice it says here in verse 1, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, I want to say a word about this. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And before we finish the message, I want to draw your attention to that statement, be in my mouth. I feel as if the reaction that we have sometimes in not understanding what worship is is, is a statement like this. Well, I worship God in my actions. And actions can be worshipful. But let's be honest, church. The context of worship in Scripture has nothing to do with your actions. You want your actions to back up your speech, yes. But your actions are not worship. Worship in Scripture is something that begins in my heart and then it comes out of my mouth. His praise shall continually be in my what? My mouth. My mouth. Worship is expressed. Worship is expressed. Worship is something we sing. Worship is something we, we share with our mouths. We open our mouths and we exalt him. We praise him. We bless him. We brag about him. We magnify him. We exalt him. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. With that said, I want to give you the second thought here, and that is this. Worship is an act of my will. It's an act of my will. Look at verse number 1, 2, and 3 again. You'll notice this. says, I will bless the Lord. I, I will. I'm making a decision. His praise shall. That word shall in my Bible is circled because it's a decision. It shall be. And then it says in verse number, let's see here. Look at three, 2. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. It's a decision. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm making a conscious decision. Kind of like this morning for me. I don't know what your mornings are like. Let me tell you what my mornings are like. They're full of decisions. First of all, the alarm goes off. I get out of bed. I make a decision. I'm not staying in bed. I'm getting out of bed. I get out of bed. Then I go to the coffee maker. I turn the coffee maker on and I get a cup of coffee. Then I go to my devotion chair and I have my devotions. Then I go from my devotion chair to the bathroom and I shave and I brush my teeth. I then make a decision to take a shower. Thank the Lord for all of you. And I take a shower. I get out of the shower, put my clothes on. I put my clothes on, then I go and gather my belongings. I actually walk out of the door, make a decision to get in my car and drive to the church. I get to the church, I go to my office, and on Sunday morning, this morning, I made a decision to open my Bible and further studying this passage. After studying this passage, I have a moment where I actually take some mouthwash and gargle. Every Sunday morning, I make a decision to gargle with mouthwash. Then I, I, I uh, actually... Make a decision to spit it out. Aren't you glad? And then I, I have a word of prayer I, I, on my face before the Lord. I then get up. I walk across the street. I pray with the worship team. After praying with the worship team, I, I gather a greet visitors. After greeting visitors, uh, I get up and make announcements. I make announcements after the service starts. Then I walk down from the announcements and I stand here. I've made a lot of decisions, haven't I? Now it's time to make a decision to worship. And I think so many of us make all those decisions and then we fall one decision short of worshiping God. And, and that's what I want you to realize. You've got to choose to be a worshiper. It's a decision. 
It's a choice that each of us must make. Almighty God created you to worship him. It's an act of your will and then your feelings will follow. Notice there's a small word here. And I want to give you the, the original meaning in the original language of this word. It's, it's my favorite word in the whole text. I want you to look at it. If you have your Bibles open or whatever you use, look at verse number three. Do you see the first word? It's two letters. Do you see that? Maybe your Bible just has it as one letter. But I'm going to say the word and then I'm going to give you the interpretation. The word is this. Oh, now here's the biblical interpretation of oh. You ready? Here it is. I started it out. Here's it. Is. Oh, woo! Oh, 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 yeah. You say, preacher, what, what, do, what do you mean? Is that really what it's? Oh, yeah. Oh, that you would break free from your traditions. Oh, that you would experience how lavish my benefits are. Oh, that you would understand I've got you. I've got all your fears and anxieties. Oh, if you would just understand how much I love you, how much you're forgiven. Oh, oh if the lights would stop flashing. Oh, it's a small word, but it's got a big meaning. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Well, I know what you're saying. About this time, you're thinking this. Preacher, I I don't think you realize what I'm going through. I mean, I get it, okay. But not today. I just can't decide to worship today. I got troubles. I got struggles. I'm in a really tough season right now, preacher. I want you to know it's verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. Number three, worship is at all times. You know what the answer is? When do we worship? All times. When I feel like it and when I don't feel like it. Now, until you understand this, listen, this is very important, and I'll move on. The rest of my message is going to be really quick, but I want you to get this, because until you understand this, you will never understand worship. When I was in Bible college, I remember graduating, coming to Hot Springs, and then hearing about a pastor in Chicago. I got a a message, and I I don't remember much about this, or did not remember much about the story, but as it began as I was studying this scripture and, and just trying to think of a way to teach this, to be honest, this, this story came to mind about a man named, a preacher named Scott. I couldn't even remember his name, but after I studied, I put Google solves every problem, right? And I found Scott actually Googled a van accident with pastor and children and Scott and Janet Willis. They became sweethearts in high school. Scott became a Baptist preacher. They had three children. Kind of a cool story. Nine years went by. They had six more. Nine children. Scott began to pastor a church in Chicago in 1994. And then later on in the year, he was driving down Interstate 94, heading up to Wisconsin in Milwaukee. And he was going the speed limit down the highway and a truck pulled in front of him. And when it did, a 90-pound steel object fell off the truck in front of him. He could not avoid it. He went over it. Sparks began to fly, caught the van on fire. Now, what I want to do is take about three and a half minutes and share with you a testimony that he gave in front of the press a few days after he got out of the hospital with his wife. And I want you to listen what Scott had to say.
As far as the accident is concerned, I was looking at the road and was alert and thought I could not avoid hitting the object. When we hit the object, the rear exploded, taking the car out of control. And I was able to grip the wheel and take it out of the slide. The fire was around us even before the van stopped sliding. And I was yelling to get out of the car. Janet and I had to consciously put our hands into the flames to unbuckle the seatbelts and reach for the door handles. Ben had to unbuckle, unlock, and unlatch his door. Courageous and clear-thinking work for a 13-year-old boy. As to the future, we were going to laugh and smile with tremendous memories of the kids. We will try our best to acknowledge the outpouring of, of sympathy and encouragement from the people of America toward us. Also, I look forward to being back in Parkwood's pulpit and in room 201 teaching fifth grade at Dawes School in Chicago. We are looking also for God's leading and directing in our lives. I must tell you that we hurt and sorrow, as you parents would for your children. The depth of pain is indescribable. The Bible expresses our feelings, that we sorrow, but not as those without hope. The hardest part of all was visiting Benny in intensive care, knowing he was alive, but that he would not make it. Around midnight, his big brother and he broke, told me, was with Ben when he died. Toby came back and said to me, Benny's in heaven. The truth of God's word assures me that Ben, Joe, Sam, Hank, Elizabeth, and Peter are in heaven with Jesus Christ. King David said upon the death of his infant son, Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, and he shall not return to me. As believers, we know one day we will be reunited. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Janet and I want to praise and thank God. First, for six precious children, four rascally boys, a sweet girl so much like her mother, and a little baby just beginning to smile and grow. We know that the fullness of life is not measured in days. I will magnify the Lord in my body, whether in death or whether in life. I will praise the Lord at all times. There's no way to understand worship until you understand that. Paul said this, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. The Hebrew writer said, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And, jo and, and David said in Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times, because worship is for all times. Number four, and I think you'll be blessed by this. Worship is a witness to others. What we just, what just happened is David and Janet, or, or Scott and Janet just witnessed to the world. They worship God at all times. And can you imagine the impact they had on the world as they worshiped the God in that moment? And look what it says here, if you would, in verse 2. It says, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear it and be glad. Who are the humble? Those who have allowed the difficult circumstances of life to break them down to the point where they realize how much they need God. That's where I was years ago, several years ago. I was a proud pastor. One who held on to his traditions because that was my security and that was where my name was exalted. And that's where I, 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 I became 
famous and that's where I got invitations and honorary doctorate degrees and that's where man worship was, was alive and well and so I, I was possessive of that and I know I'm being hard on myself to illustrate this but I'm okay with that because the truth of the matter is is God humbled me and as a result of my response to God's correction I had to fall on my face and say God forgive me I've been more concerned about my name than your name I've been more concerned about my glory than your glory. And God, I don't care if I lose every last friend. I don't care if everybody walks away. God, you are more important to me than anybody else. And I pray that's been a witness to the world. I pray that's been a testimony to others. My point is this. People are watching us. They want to know this. Does God make a difference in your life in the toughest of times? They want to know that. When I choose to praise God when things aren't going well, worship is a witness to others. Number five, worship is a team activity. Worship is not a solo sport. Verse three teaches us that. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. God doesn't want us to be spectators in a worship service. He wants us to be participators. He wants us to enjoy this together. It is you with me, and it is us with each other. Let us exalt his name together. I don't know of anything more beautiful to God than when all of us in one accord are worshiping God in this place. Let me give you five reasons to worship. I did tell you that the last part of my message would go rather quickly. And I I, I want to just give you these. Here's why I worship. It's in verses 4 through 7. First of all, I worship because Yahweh answers prayers. Look at verse number four. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He answered me. But notice it says, I sought the Lord first. The Lord answers prayers. I sought the Lord and he answered me. I want you to bring to mind something right now, real quickly, that is burdening you. Five seconds. Think of it. Say it in your heart. This is a burden. This is a situation in need. Question. Have you been on your face before God crying out, interceding for that situation? I feel like most of us, we worry about those things. We, we, we try to figure things out. We try to make, heal things and make things and arrange things. But I don't know how many of us really seek the Lord Because if you do, the Lord will answer. Guaranteed. Worry, fear, try to plan it out, figure it out. Don't expect great results. But come before God and give it to him. Oh, he likes to answer those prayers. A second reason to worship is this. The Lord delivers from fear. Look at verse 4. And he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. This is why I worship him. Because he delivers me from my fears. How many of you have ever been filled with fear? Has anybody in here ever suffered from anxiety? Just worrying about things. Worrying about the future. Worrying about what's going to happen. I remember my wife talking to me about... In fact, I, I, I actually texted her this week about this. and Because I knew she when she was having her sickness and you were going through all that near-death stuff, that you had a psalm that you rested in. And it was Psalm 30. I got to admit, I was hoping it'd be Psalm 34. I, I couldn't remember which Psalm it was, sweetheart. But I, I read Psalm 30 and I'm like, oh no, that's, that's awesome. And, and Carol Ann found that God delivered her from all those fears. Will I live? Will I make it? Will my kids not have a mother? It, it, what's going to happen? All the things that she went through when she was so sick unto death, she, with the help of that Psalm, found that God, she could, she, God could deliver her from those fears and give her a peace. Number three, the Lord delivers from shame. Look at verse five. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Those who look to him are radiant. Think about that. Yahweh is a God who removes our shame. How many of you know what it's like to look into the mirror and feel shame? Shame. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. 
I can't believe I, 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 I didn't listen to this person or that situation. I'm just, I'm so ashamed. In 30 years, 26 years of pastoring the same church, there's been many people sit in my office, men and women, ashamed of their past, ashamed of what they've done, ashamed of decisions they've made. Well, I propose to you today a God who would wipe away all shame and return to you a radiance. That's what God does. This is why we worship. We worship because God will remove our shame and he'll return to us our joy, our radiance. This is why we worship. Number four, we worship because the Lord delivers from trouble. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Verse number six. I love that. Day-to-day troubles of life. Moments when we just don't even know how we're going to get through. How am I going to get through this situation? The Bible says here, this poor man cried. This is not some abstract thing. He's, I sense David is, is, is writing this and thinking about someone in his army, in his group, in his... I'm thinking of you in this congregation. I don't think anyone in this building feels entitled right now. I think we all feel that, hey, listen, we're poor, we're needy, we're nothing without God. We cry out to God. This poor man cry, and God delivered him out of all of his troubles. I've got a laundry list of troubles God's delivered me from. In addition to that, the Lord protects his own. Verse 7 says... The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Angels. What are angels? Hebrews 1.14 says this. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Those who inherit salvation are those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. Those who are born again. We've inherited salvation. Thank God for that. God says there's these ministering spirits. There are angels. And in this particular passage, God mentions an angel is encamped. That's a military term. Speaking of like a commander, a general in the angel army. And he looks at Erica Pacey and he says, Hey, listen, I want you to encamp around him. I want you to set a perimeter around Eric's life and protect him. You know, I've told a lot of stories this morning. I told about, you know, being mugged in Chicago and left for dead. Were it not for my dad's advice, right? I was in a bank robbery with my son, Mo, laying on top of him as 11 gunshots were fired throughout that bank. I was in a plane that was called for an emergency landing because a bird hit the front window of the plane. And when it landed, there were fire trucks and ambulances dozens of them on the tarmac there on the, on the runway. And when we got out, we said, what, what, why did we land like that? And they looked into the cockpit. We saw that a bird had hit the window. And it, you know how it, that spider web type thing marked a car window? But that plane, the glass never came through. They said if it would have come through, it would have killed those pilots and killed all of us. Somehow they landed that plane. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him. I can tell you story after story after story. The truth of the matter is everybody in this room is alive because of that angel. Everybody in this room is alive. You say, well, I don't have a story about getting mugged and and, and airplanes and bank robberies. Oh, yeah, you just have a whole lot of things God spared you from that you don't even know. You're going to get to heaven and they're going to show this movie about your life and you're going to say, wow, it was more exciting than I thought. I was the next car that would have been in that accident, I was the next. Th- uh, that could have happened. That all I'm saying is this: God protects us. Nothing gets into the life or into the circle of a believer that God Almighty does not sign off on. He protects you. That's why you're here, and that's why we worship. So you know, when we come into this building, it's not ho hum yawn time. It's not. Well, I wonder what pastor's got today. Hope he's got some exciting stories. I hope he shows a video. I like it when he shows videos. I hope he's got a little variety. Hope Jordan gives us some Jesus jams today. No. I want us to choose to worship before we ever get in this building. Just like we chose to get up and we chose to brush our teeth and we chose to get in our car. Let's choose to worship. Just, he's worth it. 
He's worthy. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to close with a song that I actually asked the worship team to sing. It's a song that I heard about a year ago. It's entitled, I Will Boast in Christ Alone. And I want to ask our congregation in just a moment after I pray to stand and join me. Maybe you've never heard this song before. Trust me, you'll, you'll, you'll learn it quickly. Actually, in the middle of the song, we're going to sing, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I want you to think about what God's done for you. I want you to praise him this morning. I want you to bless him this morning. I want you to magnify him, exalt him. Let's lift him up. A lot of reasons. I gave you five this morning, but there's a whole lot more. And as we begin to make this conscious decision, may we do it at all times. May we do it at all times. His praise in my mouth. Father, help us, Lord, as we Stand just for a moment and make this conscious decision to worship you. And God, may we focus in on your greatness. May we take you off the shelf of our heart and put you back on the throne. God, may we dust off our worship. May we, Lord, go from apathetic to passion. God, how we display that passion is not as important as it is that we just enjoy enjoy God you're great God I love you in Jesus name shall we stand